0: If you're happy in the Lord, say amen. almost caught some of you asleep right there. The greatest times in your life are going to be found in, in the house of God. We've had vacation times. Vacation times are fun. And you can't live on vacation, you know. You come back and get back to what we call normal life normal living and that's just working you know and doing what we do vacations are good and fine but there is something so memorable about when the Lord touches you you don't forget those times you, you, you'll go back in your spirit and just connect there so you never know what's going to happen when you come to church uh Thomas didn't know. He, I don't know, maybe he uh, had to take his wife out to dinner or something. But all the apostles were in a room. Thomas wasn't there. He really missed a good thing, didn't he? He didn't know. He thought, ah, you know, I'll catch it next time. But you never know the time and opportunity. That God's going to do something. We don't know that. That's in his power. Can you say amen? And so we just want to yield and let the Lord just, whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, we want to be ready. Uh, turn your Bibles with me, the book of Romans, and I want to go out of some, some scripture that we're pretty familiar with, but I want to talk about the church again. I was telling Pastor Rodney that, um, I've just felt like for the last few, couple, three, four weeks, we all know what church is about, but sometimes we just have to, we have to remember that foundation, where we're at, what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing, and so we've been kind of working on that. Does anybody remember any of the six principles that is found that the church was doing in Acts, the second chapter? Anybody remember those? They were sitting listening to the apostles, right? They were in Koinonia. They were fellowshipping with one another in partnership. They, they were taking the Lord's Supper because they didn't want to forget His death. They were, let's see, what else were they doing? They were in prayer. They were in giving And they continued steadfastly in praising God. And all of these pieces must be in place in the church. These are the foundational, fundamental orders of the early church. And then it breaks off from there. So we're going to talk about some of that this morning. the 8th chapter, um, I want to read just one verse here and then go to the 12th chapter, the, the 14th verse. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the sons of God. The ones led by the Spirit, not the ones who say, Lord, Lord, or the ones who go to church, the ones who are led by the Spirit so if you go with me now, stay in the same book, we'll go over to the 12th chapter and um, reading the first four verses, which you probably can almost say, quote them with me. Therefore, brothers, I call on you through the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God or acceptable, which is your reasonable service. The kids used to accuse me of telling them they needed to, to use good, reasonable thinking. They would do some things, and I would get on to them, but it was, use use some good sense. Just think about what you're doing. Reasonable thinking? Well, let will find it right here. Um, And be not conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order to prove by you what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. For I say to you through the grace which was given to me, to everyone being among you, not to have high thoughts beyond what is right to think, but set your mind to be right-minded, even as God divided a measure of faith to each. Now the fourth verse. For even as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, and so we, the many, are one body in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that we talk about that body in Christ this morning. Again, Lord, it's why we're here. Lord, we're here to do what the church does. 2,000 years ago, they did. The practices they practiced. The, the Lord that they loved and worshiped, we love and worship. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that we can expand on that a little bit this morning, talk about the body, and may you just strengthen us and, and cause us to have fresh and new insights, and we give you glory. Amen, amen, and amen. And so, I want to uh, look at the book of Romans, and I I have said this before. Paul is addressing an ecclesia; He's addressing a church. A lot of times, and, and in a lot of preaching, we've done this. I've done it. I was raised on it. We'll go to scriptures that the Lord is talking uh, about them all plurally and take it individually, which I think the Word of God is good. It's good individually, yes, and, and I've grown up on, on, on that, sort of on that kind of preaching. But there also is, this. Dustin was working on this a, a, a while back, there is this thing that God is putting together called the ecclesia that is so important to him. That one individual, one individual will not tip the scale in what God's doing in the ecclesia. So his bigger focus is not on the individual. I don't want to break anybody's bubble right here. He's not staying up at night over you, he loves you, he cares for you. He wants to plug you into his body. And he is watching out for you. But whether or not we respond, if I walk away and don't respond, the church keeps on going. His work keeps on going. And so I either become a part, a member in the body of Christ, or I do my own thing. And he won't prevent me from doing I know a lot of people who have... What they want is an Old Testament relationship with God. They want to have like an Abrahamic relationship with God. I just go here. I go there. I go everywhere. I'm really not tied down to anything or anybody or any church or any ministry or any fellowship. I just kind of go. I float. I do, you know, sort of like Abraham just went here and there. But we're not under the times of Abraham. We're under the times that God is building himself a church. The called out gathering them together. So I want to take this instruction that Paul just left, and it's directed towards the church at Rome. And the church is made up of all those members, the body. But I want to look at it this morning as all of those members making up this body uh, of the church called the Church of Rome. And I want to kind of bring that to us, of course, this church here. Reasonable service. It just makes common sense, something reasonable. Brethren, I beseech you that you present not only the individual members of the body, but the body, the church. Is everybody okay? Because I know all we've heard is is individually, we present all our bodies, and, and we do. You know, everyone makes up the church. That's, that's the members thing. But... I beseech you that you present your body. See, a lot of the problem of what's going on with the church world right now is it's been presented to a board. It's been presented to an organization, a denomination. It's been presented to certain preachers and pastors. But the church isn't about them. The church is about the Lord. Present your body to the Lord. So, What we have to do is take this whole circumference of everything here, this little property that the Lord has given us, this little beautiful 10 acres out here, and what do we do with it? We present it to the Lord, a living sacrifice, which is your... It's only reasonable that if the church belongs to Him, then we've got to let go of it and say, Lord, the church is yours. And you, though, even though he has his way of conducting his business in the church, yet he is sovereign. Can you say amen? And so, when we take it on ourselves to manipulate, then it's not reasonable service anymore. This word service, if you uh, have ever looked at this, in the Greek is latria, and it's the kind of service that is sacred service. So, It's what they did back in the old tabernacle and the temple. It's the same word. It's a a sanctified service to God. In other words, it's not just, well, I'm going to go out and help grandma across the street, and I'm doing service to the Lord. No, it's those things that we talked about, those six things that we do as a body, that really becomes a priestly service unto the Lord. It's not just for us. That is, we, it's funny that we call what we are gathering, what do we call it? A church service. Because when we're thinking about service. We're just thinking about getting people in a building, you know, and then sing some songs, take an offering, do some preaching. That's a service. But really what it's saying here to the Church of Rome and to us is that becomes a service to the Lord. The old priest in the temple bringing the sacrifice. They're setting out the shoe bread. They're they're keeping the menorah lit. And they're doing all those things. That is a service to who? Unto the Lord. And we don't see that. We see it as a service unto us. And that's why we fit church to make you feel good. But it is to be a service to the Lord. Think of it as though we are priests As the scripture says, we are priests and and we are of a royal priesthood. And we're not in an old tabernacle, and an old temple anymore. We are in the church. But yet God has us doing a certain service that brings forth the praise unto Him. Just like that shoe bread. Just like that that table of incense and all of those implements that were in there that those priests took care of. We are also take care of the business of the lord and it is a service unto him can you say amen so when you come to the house of the lord on a sunday morning here we go we got the words on the wall and they're striking up the music and we get ready and and we sing like we're half asleep and really don't care about it what kind of reasonable service is that it only makes good sense to give God the glory he deserves. Can you say amen? And so we, we continue to do that. And then, so, that was a type and a shadow of the real. What is the real? The real is the church. I have, I have a problem with this because I just don't hear other people preaching this. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'm the oddball. I, I guess so. I just heard, and and, and I love this preacher. I'd like to have him come preach for us. He is a a great preacher. But everything's eventually going to get back to Israel and the temple. Baloney. That's a type and shadow of the real. So I need to know what the real is. The real is, I will build myself a church. That's a type and shadow of what the church is to be. And so we need to treat it like it's a service to the Lord. Amen? If you, do you think the old temple was a service to God? That priesthood and everything? Man, we got great respect for the priesthood. We got great respect for all it, But we're not so sure about the five-fold ministry in the church. Hello? What Rodney was saying last night, which is absolutely the truth. You can't have a kingdom that doesn't have oversight. You can't have you can't have a kingdom that doesn't have borders, that doesn't have the way God. So God sets up the church, and, and He puts ministry in the church. And we look at them like they never questioned the priests, and especially not the high priest. But we look at the ministers in our body as though, you know, hey, we can take them or leave them. It doesn't matter. But it is a sacred service unto God. Can everybody say amen? So we need to prove what is that will of God for the ecclesia. Good, acceptable, or well-pleasing, and that which is perfect. How many want to be in the perfect will of God? I've heard that. Boy, I've heard that. I want to be in, you know, what do we call it, the... the um, submissive will of God. What do they call that? I forget. Huh? You're, you're both saying it at the same time and I can't hear either one of you. Go ahead, Desiree. Permissible will of God. That's right. We want to be in the perfect will. We don't want to be in the permissible will. Well, here Paul breaks down what is good, what is well-pleasing, what is. And, and it says perfect. The word perfect there you understand is the word teleos, which doesn't mean that it is without any misunderstanding or mistake at all. That's not what the word here means. It means complete, grown up, mature. We want to be in the mature will of God, the complete will of God in our lives. But can we look at that beyond personally? That's, that's a good question. When we think of the will of God, you think of am I in the will of God or am I out of the will of God? Now I'm going to ask every Christian right now, how many of you have ever questioned that? Not one person in this place. Thank you, Sister Donna. Me and Sister Donna. I'm going to preach you this morning. Have wondered if you're in the will of God. I'll tell you how we determine that. Here's, here's how we do this. If things are going well, we're in the will of God. If things are not going well, We're out of the will of God. So I had a flat tire and, oh, I don't know. I got a bill that I didn't expect. And I was hoping for a raise on the job and I didn't get that. And then we go to the Lord, I I must be out of your will. I must be out of your will. Because that's how we see it. We judge it that way. We judge how how our successes are if things are going good. If things, you know, and I've had to watch that coming to Oklahoma, right? You know, we come over here and, and boy, I tell you what, everybody seemed like properties were opening up and, and job opportunities were opening up. And then all of a sudden, a year later, some of those things didn't pan out just exactly like we thought they would. We must be out of the will of God. The will of God has nothing to do with whether you are feeling good where you're at or not. It just doesn't have anything to do with that. That's how we take it. And so when we look at it personally like that, it, it just we just judge it by success. We do the same thing with the church. We look at the church. We know some churches around here that are massively successful. And how do we judge that? We judge that by the crowd they have, we judge it by the properties they have, the beautiful church buildings they have. And we say, those people, will tell you what, they're in the will of God. Look at that. But having those things does not determine, does not mean that you are in the will of God as a church. And so, but we judge it that way. We always judge things that way. And so we look at churches and we say they are a success or they are a failure depending on how good they're doing. Isn't that great? That's just in us. And there isn't anyone in this building that that isn't in you. To evaluate things by success. We've been trained to do that. That's how we do it. Years ago, I was a kid. I got a shock in my life. I went down to be with my Uncle Skip for, oh, I, I don't know, a few months. I was with him. We went into Mexico, just me and him. I think I was 19, 18, 19 years old. Let's say I got a culture shock for one thing. That's a different world. But there were some things that happened that really I didn't understand at that time and because we judge things on success, right? Amen. Let's go out. We need to we need to visit these friends of mine. They've been missionaries, uh been on a missionary field in Mexico for what, 40, 50 years, whatever it was, and they're elderly now, and I need to go over and see them. It's, well, you know, I didn't have a choice. Okay, I'm going with you. So, me and Uncle Skip, we drive out there, it's on and off, a half hour away, and pull up to this shack. There's not one of you in this place that would want to live in that. Something began to bother me in my 18, 19-year-old mind. Is this what you get for 40 years of mission work? And Uncle Skip was taking them money so they could eat. This is this the reward? This is what you get? Because in my mind, success doesn't work that way. In my mind, you serve the Lord good enough He's going to give you all the goodies you want. You're going to have this. You're going to have just, and it's going to be set up for you when that is not the truth at all. And these precious people who had spent their life on mission field, now living way below means in poverty, were just as happy and content that they had not stayed home and worked a job, but they had gone out and spent their life working for the Lord. And that had to change something in my psyche later on. Of course, when you're a kid, you don't think that way. But later on, I began to think, oh, God, what is success in your kingdom? Is, is success your kingdom? Is it numbers? Is success in your kingdom what you get, the buildings you get, the property you get, the house you're going to live in for the rest of your life? Or is success really measured by your favor in our life? Is it really measured by our turning our life and spending our life for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think the Lord just sees it differently than what we do. Can you say amen? Not only that, I believe in divine placement. There's divine placement in our life. There's divine placement for each individual one of us. Of course, here's how it goes again with us. I got the job of my dreams until next year. I got the house of my dreams until you back up and move somewhere else. This is the car I've always wanted until you start paying the payments. That's, That's just, it's where we are. But God can move us from one place to another sovereignly because that's what He wants to do. He works without question. He doesn't answer to people. Wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to answer to people? I mean, it's the hippie mentality, really. They just don't answer to anybody. They have a hard time getting enough food for dinner, but they don't answer to anybody. They don't have a job. They don't have anywhere to go. They're not required anything. they just, you know, give me my sandals, my dirty T-shirt, and my, and my Levi's, and, and I'm set to go, and you're worthless and worth nothing. But you don't have any overhead. Man, it's a great life. But the thing with the Lord is that he doesn't answer to anyone like you and I, but moves sovereignly, has the ability to lift you up out of where you're at there and put you over here. The question is, are we willing to follow his will? I want to be the perfect will of God. And I think I found it before we moved. Kay said, this is where I wanted to live. This is where I thought we had our kids here with us and our grandkids. I thought we were going to live our life out here until God says, nope. (laughs) I'm going to take you 1,800 miles from this place. And then he sets you back down. Are you out of the will of God when you were over there? No. No. Are you out of the will of God when you come over here? No. Because God's going to work His way in our life. God's going to work His way in this church. There is a reason and a purpose for what God has done. There's a reason why we move. There's a reason why we're here. And only the Lord knows that, but He's going to reveal it by His Spirit in time. He will in time show us what it is He's up to with us. Amen. Everybody say amen. And so those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. It seems comfortable to sit down in one place and call it good, right? Hey, we were happy on Rupert Road. But the Lord says, no. I'm going to lead you to something else. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, that's just, that's just not very stable. If you're being led by the Spirit of God, you are stable at all times. No matter where you are, what the conditions are in your life, God's still going to work His will in your life. This is beautiful. So I want to take you to, to uh, the man who wrote these words for us by the Spirit, Paul. He knew from experience the leading of the Spirit of God. When I read this, and I've probably read it 50 times. I don't know how many times I've read the New Testament through. But when I read this, the 16th chapter of Acts, it kind of startled me a little bit. Paul is now called by the Spirit to go out. He goes out with Barnabas on their first trip. They end up back in Antioch. We talked about that last week. The Lord sends him out again. In the sixteenth chapter of Acts, he's traveling through Asia. And it says, God forbid him. God prevented him from preaching in Asia. He's out of the will of God. See? Doesn't want him preaching in Asia. I don't know why. I thought the gospel was open for everybody. Didn't you? So did Paul. So he gets his entourage and they leave again. And they're going again. And they come to Mysia. God said, you're not preaching here. Okay. They travel again. They get to uh, Bithynia. Not preaching here. (laughs) They end up in Troas. Sitting idle. This guy's out to, to preach to the world, to bring the gospel to the nations. And God says, you're not preaching there, and you're not preaching there, and you're not preaching there, and you're not preaching over there. So he ends up in Troas. Like just, what do we do now? Have you ever been in Troas? You think you're in the will of God, but everywhere you're going, the Lord's saying no. You think that you're following after the Spirit. He, he's being led by the Spirit of God, right? He has been anointed to go out and to preach this gospel to the Gentiles and God said, no, you're not doing it. Because, see, God is sovereign. If He doesn't want the Asian people to be preached to, He's not going to let Paul do it. So they're down in Troas and that, at, at some point, don't know how long they're in trials, but at some point he has a vision of a man standing in Macedonia saying, come and help us. And immediately he tells it to the brethren and the brethren say, yes, this is what God wants us to do. We found the will of God now. And so he goes over, they take a ship and go over the first place they get to is Philippi and they're in Macedonia. They start getting kicked out of, of, of cities they go to the, to the synagogue. They preach Christ in the synagogue. The Jews rise up. At one point, they stoned him. In other cities, they chased him out. The brethren came and intervened in cities and got him out of there. And he is in the perfect will of God. How do you like those kind of successes? First of all, you don't even get to preach. And then when you do get to preach, there's throw rocks at you chase you out of the place, won't let you even live in peace. But Paul understands that those that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Listen, I want to encourage you. We're, going to, we're talking about the church, and ultimately we're going to finish here just talking about the church. But I want you to understand in your own personal life God is going to lead you sometimes to know. Is that okay? But Lord, you called me. But no. No, you're not doing that right now. But Lord, I know that I, ha- I have this in my heart. I know I'm a singer. I know, I know I've got something to give. I know that I can teach him. And God says, no. You're not doing it. Until I'm ready for it. Everybody say Amen. And when I'm ready for it, then it's going to be a blessing all the way around. And so we, the will of God, don't judge the will of God in your life and success and failure. Don't do that. Let God just have his way and his purposes in your life. And it's going to let those that are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. Amen. Amen. And so now later, let's see if Paul gets out of the will of God again. Okay. Paul wants to go down to Jerusalem. He wants to be there for the feast. On his way there, he stopped by at many churches and they, they prophesied to him. One prophet comes out and says, I'm, he, he takes a, a, a cloth and binds Paul's hands up and said, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. Having been warned, by the Holy Spirit having been warned he went anyway was he out of the will of God so I had to ask this question was he out of the will of God the Lord didn't tell him don't go the Lord told him if you do go they're gonna they're gonna arrest you and you're gonna put you in jail And Paul said thank you Lord Thank you for the warning, but I want to go. He just, I don't know, he's just going to override the spirit in his life. Have you ever done that? So are you out of the will? Is Paul out of the will of God now? He's in Jerusalem now, and he's preaching, and they are arresting him now. Is he out of the will of God? The Lord took my mind to maps everybody got a phone everybody know what maps are how do you think you got here the first time right? you didn't just drive to find this place i mean you took maps <laughs> or somebody told you right so Kay and i are out we're, we're driving and sometimes we just get out and drive i don't know i want to see the country see, see what oklahoma we live here we want to see what it's about and we get out and just sometimes Wow, you get on some roads and you're going, where am I at now? And But you pull MAPS up. i tell you what MAPS does. It always redirects you. It might take you down the back alley through the garbage pit and around, and, but it'll get you there. Um, this redirection. But I took a wrong turn, and so now I can't get there. Oh, you can get there. It'll tell you how. Let me tell you something about the Spirit of God. You might take a wrong turn. And we are susceptible to taking wrong turns in our life. But I want to tell you this. The destination is still out there. And the Spirit of God is going to come by and redirect your life. Because you might be floundering a little bit here in the woods on a country road. But but no, hey, that's okay. That's okay. That's not the right place to be. But... But the destination is really what we're worried about. And so God is going to redirect whatever's happening in your life to get you where? To get you to the destination. And you might have to go down some back roads. You went in there, and you probably shouldn't have. And you might have to take some some back country roads. And we did it the other day. We were on the other side of the lake up there. What is that? Lake Grand Lake. And and we went to one side, and I said, well, we'll just drive on the other side that way and go down the freeway. I've never been on so much back roads and all my... I was getting mad at Kay for taking us that way. And it was maps. But we were still going to the right location. Oh, man. The Lord just really kind of spoke to me about that. Was was Paul so now... He went to Jerusalem, so now is he out of the will of God. That's it. You're done, Paul. Ministry over, um, you know, you're an ounce with God. No, no, no. If that were the case, the people on the island of Melita, where Paul was shipwrecked onto that island, would have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. The The chief there would not have been healed people, those prisoners would not have seen the mighty act of the work of God if it's true that Paul is out of the will of God now that Caesar's household and he writes back in Philippians the fourth chapter and says all the saints greet you but especially those of Caesar's household. They had no idea about the gospel. They did not, but it it began to infiltrate the Roman Empire until the 4th century, when the 4th century made Christianity the, the national religion. But Paul has got to go to Rome, and God is just going to redirect. Sure, Paul, you went down to Jerusalem, but you're not out of the will of God. He's going to redirect it so that you come back. We would have never had the prison epistles. Had he not taken the wrong turn? But was he out of the will of God? No, no. We have now the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Wow. Colossians, so powerful. Philemon. Those epistles that he wrote while he was in prison at Rome because he went to Jerusalem. I'm not saying that we defy God. God. I'm just saying this morning that if we take a road that he has to redirect, we're still going to find the will of God in our life and in our church. He's not giving up on us, and I'm not giving up on him. Can you say amen? So you go through a few hard times and some questions and some problems and some issues, and it's, oh, man, God, I'm, I'm so out of your will. No, 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 he's just going to redirect and put us right back in the good direction. Can you say amen? Isn't that beautiful? Thank the Lord for that. So now I want to close with the church. I said that a little bit ago. Some I heard somebody preaching the other day. And said this is my fifth closing. But this is only my second. So we, every church is set on a course. For the kingdom's success. I have never heard a preacher say that ever. That every church of the Lord is set on a course for the success of the kingdom, not the church. Because what we see locally, God sees globally. And we do our best locally. But this isn't just about local. It's about the kingdom of God. And so he sets every church, every church that is birthed, every, I can remember way back, K&I, 1995. Lord put it in our hearts to start a church. I never had any aspirations of that. Believe me, that is not my personality. That is not who I ever thought I would be. I love God's house. I helped in every way I could. God says, now you're going to do this. So we began that. But I realized this. We can think that church is for us, or we can think it's for the kingdom of God and His pleasure. See, church is so confused about who they are. A lot of people are confused about who they are in life. Churches are confused about who they are. We think we're a hand to the community. That's not, no, we are for the work of the kingdom of God, for His pleasure, as part of His kingdom. And so God has this course set for for the church. And I think we have found a new... We took some roads to get here, right? And now we're here. Are we going to be in this place forever? I don't know that. We're going to be as long here as, as the Spirit of God says, that's where I want you to be. And so... I, I'm, get your Bibles back out real quick. If you have time, believe me, your lunch will wait. I see it in there. It's, it's not doing anything. It's just sitting there waiting. So uh, go back to the book of Romans, and I want to go to uh, that 12th chapter again. And if you don't know this verse, wow, you've got cobwebs in your Bible. The uh, 12th chapter and the 28th uh, verse. Down. It is it eighth chapter. Excuse me, the eighth chapter. That's right, in the twenty eighth verse. I read out of the twelve, but it's the eighth. Okay, even in my notes, it's right there, eighth. Okay. The twenty eighth verse. But we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those called according to His purpose. Now, personally, right. But as a church, I want to look. He's speaking to the church of Rome. Because whom he foreknew, he predetermined to be conformed to the image of his son, for him to be the firstborn among many brothers. But whom he predestined, predetermined these, these. He also called. And to whom he called these, he also justified. But to whom he justified these, he also glorified. So when I look at all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord are called according to his purpose, I have to take exact this word called. Everybody say called with me. Clasia. Clasia. But we are ecclesia the ones who are called out we've been called but we are also called out called out of what called out of the world right amen so we're not you know part of the devil's bunch anymore so we're called out if I look at this verse and I take it personally all the time and then I say all things work together for me for my good and you know, I love, sure I love God, and, and and I'm called according to His purpose, I believe, so everything has to work together for good in my life, and I really think we're taking this verse and, and drawing some meaning out of it that really doesn't really mean that to us so much. I think what it means is, is, is that God is working in the church. I think it's to those who are called, those who are called out. God is working with the church, and, and to as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's that church. It's that thing that he's forming. I will build me my church. And so what he does with that church is all things work together for good to the body of Christ. Is that okay? Or do we just have to take it personally? Am I okay? Am I, am I overriding something here? I don't want to override anybody. But I just want to tell you that he's speaking to the church of Rome, telling them, listen, church. All things are going to work to I know you're under persecution. I know that things that maybe you've took some wrong turns. Maybe maybe there needs to be some redirection. Maybe just a lot of things are happening. But I want you to know this, that all things work together for good for those that are called, for those that are called according to His purpose, the ecclesia. Because God is protecting and building His church. More than he is a single person and a single family and single lives, he is building his church. And so therefore, all things are going to work together for the good. I've preached this and I know you believe this. That the goal of our life is to come into conformity of the image of Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. That's the goal of our life. It's also the goal of the church. Well, what does that mean then? What does it mean that we come into conformity? This, this is, the church is no different than our, if we take these scriptures, no different than our personal life. If we look at the church as being, needing to come into conformity of Christ, because he writes, I, I'm writing to you brothers that you don't be conformed to this age. And that is exactly what's happening to church in this age. They're being conformed to this age and not conformed to Christ. So I just want to do one thing. I just want to look at his ministry real quick. This is the third closing. Right here. Luke 4, chapter 18, verse. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the Lord speaking. Because he has anointed me. If the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you, church, then he will quicken your mortal bodies to do what? To do your own thing? No, to be conformed into his image. We as pastors, we as parishioners, members, one of another of the koinonia, body of Christ must contend that this church conforms to the image of Jesus Christ amen give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there there were a few but we'll take many because it is this age that wants to conform to church to look like them I'll tell you what the Lord's ministry looked like you're going to find it Isaiah 61 You're going to find it in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's going to preach in three dimensions. I'm just going to take this very quickly. He's going to preach in three dimensions. One of them, he's going to proclaim the gospel. Saving power of Jesus Christ. The next one is... He's going to preach, and if you take this word, it's found in Acts 2.13. Jesus talked about this. He told the Pharisees, you are yet blind. This man has been, can see. He's got his eyes back, but you are blind. God is going to take the covers off by the preaching of his gospel. He's going to enlighten our eyes to see his way. We're going to be able to see better than what we did before by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he's going to take the broken, the captives, He's going to deliver them out of prison. I watched the other night. and We were watching Tommy Bates' his, his baptismal service. Now, this was a right baptismal service. I was crying. I don't know what Kay was doing. He was just standing out there. He'd call up the next one. They had a baptismal tank. And the next one would come up. I don't know how many they had, but the church they're seeing a lot of people come in, a lot of people get saved. Whole families. I mean it's like Jesus delivered us from sin. He kept us out of we were going to divorce, we're drinking and alcohol and smoking drugs and one girl just got up and said she had the spirit of fornication. Jesus delivered her and they baptized them. They just baptized them. There was no, it was, they were already delivered. They didn't get delivered in the water. They got delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. He takes those that are captive, He takes those that are hurting, He takes those that are crushed. If this church looks like the ministry of Jesus Christ, then we're going to help the crushed. We're going to help those that are burdened. We're going to help those that have been held captive by sin, and God, by the power of the church and the delivering of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to set them free. That's what it means for our church to conform to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Our principal service is those six fundamental things that we do. That's our principal service. But then the church purpose is what I just said about the ministry of the Lord. He's got a minister here. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me? God bless you. Thank you for paying attention. I preached all the way to 10 minutes to 12. If the church doesn't look like him, they'll never recognize Jesus. Jesus. Now, we've tried to do that, and and the word holiness, we've tried to do that to make it look physically like holy. And I'm going to err on that side before I err on the other side. but, But really, the ministering spirit of Christ is about people's hearts. He can cut their hair. That's no big deal. In five minutes, we can get you dressed up right and, and hold you down and shave your face and all that, and then you're holy. But that's not the ministry of the Lord. The ministry of the Lord is the deliverance to the captives. Can you say amen? God, make this church conform to your image. Lord, we just thank you. In our heart, we've been preaching about the church. we preached again, Lord, and it may be tedious. It may be teaching in a way. Not as inspirational, jumping and shouting, but Lord, it really is what you want. And so, Lord God, we ask you that this church just become so effective. Now we're here. You put us on the maps, you put us here. We're here. Now, Lord, make us effective in your work. We pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everyone said amen.